Hello and welcome to the Remaining Sane, Finding Peace in Our Chaos podcast, a podcast about both theology and police work. I'm your host, Will, and in today's episode, I interview Father Sean, a current ACNA pastor and exorcist inside the Anglican Church of North America. Father Sean, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well, Will. How are you? Good. Well, before we get going, would you mind giving us a brief brief background, um, what religion you grew up, just a, a basic background as to who Father Sean is? Yeah, I grew up um I grew up in a pretty solid Christian family. I grew up in the Episcopal Church, although I grew up in a really solid Episcopal Church. <clears throat> I grew up an evangelical and charismatic Episcopal Church. So my my churches were always very familiar with spiritual warfare. Uh, I really had good training growing up. Um, was a Christian in college. Uh, was involved in Christian ministries in college. I've been active in ministry in the Episcopal Church, and then jumped over to the Anglican Church in North America. Been involved in that for quite a while. Been a priest in the Anglican Church in North America for quite a while, and I've been involved in uh, the deliverance ministry or um, exorcism ministry, however you want to call it. Uh, we call it deliverance ministry. Um, for for about a half a decade now, um, but I've been involved in spiritual warfare in one sense or another for quite a bit, for quite a while, yeah. For those of us that are listening that maybe either don't have that given understanding as to what spiritual warfare is or what demons are, would you mind just giving a couple definitions for us, the first of which being, what is a demon? Ha! <laughs> Uh, demons, it's kind of a hotly debated topic, right? Um, in the, in the demonology world, what is a demon? Uh, some people argue they're fallen angels. I think, you know, when I do teachings on demonology, especially as you're looking through the Old Testament, um, demons are clearly mentioned all throughout the Old Testament. A lot of people are surprised <clears throat> when you actually do teachings in Scripture. Uh, demons are mentioned both in the New Testament. They're also mentioned quite a bit in the Old Testament. But demons, but also fallen angels are mentioned in the Old Testament. So people debate, are they fallen angels or are they another creature? One of the things we find in Scripture is that Scripture mentions uh, scripture is primarily the history uh, or redemptive history. It gives us the story of God's redemption and his plan for humanity. Um, it doesn't inform us everything we need to know about God's realm, God's kingdom. And so one of the things it doesn't really inform us about is angels, and it doesn't really inform us about all the kinds of spiritual beings that are out there. So, for instance, in Job, it talks about the sons of God come before God's kingdom. Uh, but one of the things we read a lot in the Old Testament is about demons. Um, we read about idols, we, and sometimes idols are just stone, but other times they're demons. And it doesn't call them fallen angels. Um, but then other times in Daniel, we read about the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece, which seem to be fallen angels. So, um, so what are they? I, I think through church history, um, there are a lot of folks. Um, Kirk Koch is a, a famous missiologist. Um, in his experience, when he's encountered demons, they all talk when he's done exorcisms. Uh, these creatures will 
talk about beginning at a specific time period. And so he postulates that they're fallen humans uh, in Satan's employ. Um, other people think that there's some other kind of entity. Um, and then, of course, some people say that there's some kind of fallen angel. Hard to know. Hard to know. Along those lines, one of the things that I kind of struggle with growing up was recognizing that demons indeed exist that you know we don't just live in a world where they're just out in the ethereal world right like they they actually are down here and then becoming a police officer and doing police work i have at least once encountered someone that i am fully convinced uh was possessed so long story short here uh we had a it came in as a a well-being check. Uh, we needed to check on some guy who was uh, maybe having some mental health issues. We go to his house. He's completely fine. We talk to him. He says, I'm not feeling bad. I don't know why you guys called the police. Whatever. So we leave the house, and then we get a call a couple of hours later about the guy having gone crazy. So we go back to the house. The dude's sitting outside on the porch cool completely fine nothing's nothing's happened but we get let inside of the house and he had taken a knife and carved stuff in the in the wall he had you know, thrown pots and pans everywhere he, he had just destroyed the inside of this house and so it had shown to us that he's obviously a danger to other people inside this house so he at least needs to go in for a mental health evaluation so we detain him, no problem. He doesn't want to fight us into handcuffs. But when we put him in the back of the car and start taking him to the hospital, this guy, who has absolutely no business speaking Latin, all of a sudden starts speaking Latin to us. And I'm able to tell what Latin is because I speak other foreign languages, so I know what it's going to sound like. I, I couldn't 100% discern what he was saying. And he started yelling and and then he started talking about how he was the god king Osiris and he had to slay us so that he could take Osiris's place and that he had to eat us alive. And that was pretty scary. I eventually got him to the hospital. We got him strapped down to a bed and I got out of there because I wanted nothing to do with that. But that's the one time that I've actually, I think, had an encounter with something like this. Right. And, you right. Know, being a police officer you do get exposed to a lot of this because um, I, I'm confident that there's some mental health stuff that's, that's kind of, that also has to do with, with some demonology. I'm not saying that it, if you have a mental illness, then you have a demon. What I am saying is that maybe sometimes those two can go hand in hand. What experience do you have with people who are, you know, how, how much, how many encounters have you had? And, you know, what, what's your basic First of all, let's say, I mean, do you think that that encounter was, does it sound like something a demon would do? And then on top of that, have you had any encounters similar to that? Um, yeah, there's a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things in that question. Um, so it's hard for me to, to, to diagnose from the outside, you know, the symptoms of possession, I guess I could say it this way. Our team, the, 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 the group, the group that I have trained, 
we used to think that possession maybe was rarer than it is. We think we found it's a lot more, it's a little bit more common than we were. It's, it's still maybe a minority of the cases we run into. However, we, we've, we run into cases. And, and there's all kinds of different levels of it. And each case we found is different. Now, we've not run into all the cases, and we're still probably newer at it than some people. So, and what we've found, whether we're doing, um, and there's all kinds of different levels of demonization. So let me just kind of qualify it. So it's, you know, you've asked a broad question. So maybe narrowing it down is a little bit easier. Uh, so for your specific case, yes, that is a kind of thing that a demon could do. It is the kind of behavior that could possibly be possession. Knowing another language, a language that's not known by the person is a, is a symptom, um, is a thing that could happen. Um, there, there's a, a variety of things that can happen. And, and it's important to understand that like, there, there are all kinds of demons, and, and that's what we've encountered uh, at a variety of levels. And they're capable of all, they have personalities, and they're capable of doing all kinds of things. So speaking languages is one of the things they can, or some can, some do, some, you know. Um, what are some other things that they can do? Wow, uh, broad question. You know, in a person or outside of a person? Let's start with inside the person. So I guess the, the, the now you're getting into demonology, the basic structure of demonology, as, as most demonologists would talk to you about, or as, and in our experience, uh, demons have a structure, um, I mean, a hierarchical structure. Um, there's an order in the spiritual world, just like there is in the angelic world. So broadly speaking, in the angelic world, we know that there's an archangel, Michael. We know that there's a messenger angel, Gabriel. We know that angels have some kinds of roles in heaven. You read it in Ezekiel. You read it in um, Revelation. <clears throat> but in demonology, what we understand is that demons have a much, uh, have a very strict uh, hierarchical system. That's what we've encountered. Um, we've seen this uh, through church history, and we see this in in the deliverance world, and just through experience and through the world and through just different trainings. So they seem to have a, a, a structure that they follow. <clears throat> and we also, when we're encountering them, they have various names. So lower order demons typically are what we call familiars. Familiars from the Latin familial. Um, and they typically are attached, um, they're typically called, when we find them, they'll typically be something like anger or lust. They'll go by the name of a sin, particularly. Most Christians at one level or another are going to struggle with that kind of a demon. There's oftentimes there might be a higher order demon, not oftentimes, but, but, but those demons are maybe occult demons or some other kind of demon. They're going to have a little bit more power, be a little bit more significant. But in this hierarchy anyway, they, they work under what we call a strong man, but there's just some kind of demon in the chain that gives commands. Uh, it, it's the basic kind of structure they follow. Anyway, each one of these demons seems to be, especially the lower order demons, attached to a particular sin. They have a particular specialty. Think of it that way. When you go higher up the food chain, they seem to have more specialties, be able to do more things. So a lower order demon might be attached to, let's say, the sin of lust or the sin of anger, while a higher order demon, if it's a, a cult demon or a name, they'll, they'll often have a name. You might find a name in them, uh, a Beelzebub or, you know, something weird. 
Um, and if they have a name, they might be able to do more stuff. And so if a demon has that kind of power, they might be able to manipulate something. They might be able to make things move. They might be able to cause damage to a person. Uh, they might be able to um, give a person power if somebody's calling upon that demon. A variety of ways, yeah. Forgive me if I'm being a little speculative, but uh, do you know if demons promote? Like, is it you move from a familiar to a higher up, or do you even know? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so we've talked about how maybe speaking in different languages or making things move, those can be some manifestations of, of a demon, right? And you and I have, in passing, before talked about, you know, there are some other symptoms that you can be affected or that a demon can can give to another person, even if it's not like a full-on possession. Uh, so one of the things that you mentioned to me was like if you're like all of a sudden feeling a bunch of anger for no reason. Would you mind talking a little bit more about that, you know, how, what what that is and... So in the basic, let's just say the, so in, in deliverance ministry, we would teach different levels, uh, especially my bishop uh, likes us to teach various, likes me to teach various levels. Um, everybody's always excited about the, the extremes of spiritual warfare, but all, you know, Paul tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, right, but against the principalities and powers. One of the things he's talking about is, look, we, there's a spiritual attack um, against all of us. <clears throat> and um, one of those or spiritual attacks we think is in the, or we know is in the demonic realm. And so we're all capable of sinning. So I shall am a sinner or you will or a sinner. You're capable of sinning on your own. We, we all sin well. That's why we do, you know, confession at um, each church service in the Anglican church is one of the things we do. We confess our sins. Everybody should, every Christian should be confessing their sins. And, and we sin on our own. Jesus teaches us that in the Lord's Prayer. We all do that. Uh, but there comes a time when, and, and you'll see this a lot of times, when maybe your sin becomes a little bit more compulsive. Maybe I'm struggling with anger, but like I can't overcome the anger. Now, sometimes it's a psychological issue, but there's other times when it's not a psychological issue and you're, you're just compulsive, like the, the anger just seems to become overwhelming. So what a familiar does, think of it in a crude terms as a familiar taking like a, a tube and hooking in your brain, just kind of feeding off the anger. What it does is it, t uh, we've noticed it tends to push or prod or provoke the sin, right? But there are times when a familiar seems, as it gets stronger in your life or in a person's life, it'll tend to um, get to the level where it can begin to influence others around you or around the person, right? So maybe you're a good way, a good way to test this, a good way to know this is maybe, you know, uh, you're around a person. If you've ever been around a person, you're never really angry, but you come within 15 feet of the person, all of a sudden your anger elevates, you go away from the person, you're not angry, right? You're back in the room, you, you, you engage anger. Maybe, uh, maybe you, uh, you're not a gossip. Um, but every time you're in the room or anyone else is in the room with this particular person, everybody gossips. They leave. They don't gossip. They're, they're back in the area. They gossip. There's something usually on them. You might experience lust in the same way. 
uh, somebody you, you don't even think about this person, but across the room, you'd never think about them. Uh, but when you're in a zone, that's all you can think about. It's like overwhelming. It's pungent. And the thing is, they could be a guy, they could be a girl. You may not be uh, even homosexual, but when you're in that zone, um, you, you have those thoughts. So there's something on them as this critter gets stronger. Uh, and, and the thing is, the way you'll know is not mental is when you, when you bind the spirit, when you fight and when you pray against it, that will break. Right. So, so in your experience, you, you've done some, some full on deliverances. Mm-hmm. What are, I know, you know, a full on demon possession can look different for different people. Sure. But what does it look like in general uh, for someone to be fully possessed by a demon? So there's a whole bunch of different levels of deliverance. So, and we, we do quite a few and they're all different levels. And so the, the majority of them are not, the vast majority are not possession. Um, so, and, and that's the kind of the important thing to understand because uh, in the deliverance ministry, it is a ministry that deals with a lot of messiness and there's just a lot of hooks in your life that weigh you down. And so that's what primarily we're dealing with. And onto that, uh, there's a lot of demonic attachment and, and, and attacks. So um, when we're talking a full possession, maybe if I can just kind of set the parameters of that, the classic example that most people will give or a lot of people will give is, is if a human being's a fortress or a, 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 a town, oppression is when the demons attack the outside walls, different levels of possession, or you, some people might call it more extreme demonization, or there's different ways people talk about this, but I'm just going to say possession is when a demon slips over the walls into the city itself, like it's in your person. And then if you go into the center, so in a lot of um, cities, if you think about The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings or whatever, there's a keep, right? That's like the retreat to the keep. Right? If you if you remember that in the movie, that's like your central control unit. If the demon gets in there, that's more a possession. So you think in the Gospels, um, in the Gospels as opposed to uh, Acts, right? So in the Gospels, you'll see as the demon gets into the keep, um, the demon gains uh, the ability to control the person and the person loses control of themselves. Okay. That's possession, right? Full possession. Um, and it's more complete as the person, the more control the person loses. So Legion appears to have full control of the person, right? Whereas some other people they're in their right mind, they're not in their right mind. That's a little bit less control. Okay. And then if it's in the throne, right? sits in the throne, then it's perfect. It's full possession. But sometimes the demon is invited into the throne. So think of it's invited into the throne as maybe someone like the beast, if the beast isn't Satan at the end, who knows, or Pharaoh uh, that fights Moses, it's invited in, or Judas maybe, um, Satan enters Judas, uh, although that Maybe that's debatable what happens there. But if you're invited in, but it looks a little bit more like Acts. In Acts, a lot of the Greeks seem to invite the spirits in because they like the power that the spirits give them, right? And that distinguishes it, okay? So I say all that for this reason. So sometimes possession looks like perfect possession, 
where people have invited the spirits in and they are in sync. And sometimes possession looks like the gospels where the demon takes control of the person. Two different things, okay? So sometimes possession is kind of a, a person who can do really weird things, but doesn't manifest weird things because maybe they're into spell casting and doing weird stuff and, and or doing just like really twisted stuff. Maybe they're a killer or some kind of weird stuff, but, but they can do crazy stuff. Um, I'm thinking of a podcast I was listening to actually the happy face killer where, um, he was doing all kinds of, but his daughter's talking on that. And like in his house, all kinds of weird stuff was happening. Doors were opening, things were shutting. Uh, people were walking down the hallways, but he seems to act like someone who's perfectly possessed. Whereas um, in, uh, in, uh, in, imperfect, in, in, in a regular possession where it's gotten into the central control unit and takes over, you might manifest strange voices. You might manifest strange behaviors. Um, superhuman strength uh you might manifest the face might change into grotesque distortions you might actually see the face change into another person's face uh, temperature changes around all the way to things that are just kind of normal but but you'll know that's just something's different when we're dealing with them so mm -hmm. yeah all kinds of weird things i've heard of people inviting demons into their lives because they get promised certain powers. Um, I, I was listening to, I think it's Pints of Aquinas. He has a, um, an exorcist on, he talks about how he had one deliverance to this lady that was able to tell the future sometimes and came out eventually that she had, that she kind of knew that she was possessed, but didn't want to fight it because she kind of had these weird powers that, that the then she liked it like the you know she would almost have this like supernatural ability but she eventually realized that this was eating her on the inside like she was you know being used by this demon to do terrible things so that being said what is sticking out but what is sticking out so prominently to me as we're talking about this is the importance of confessing sins and avoiding sin as much as possible so that you know we don't get hooked on ourselves by stuff like this especially as we as police officers encounter a lot of sin in the world and because we we interact with sin with all five senses that you know we are i think we especially have i mean people have to guard their hearts from all this but I think that because we're encountered with so much evil that, you know, we really have to watch ourselves to make sure that we don't fall ourselves just because we're really exposed to sin. So that being said, let's say, you know, I on the street have encountered someone that is starting to speak different languages or is, you know, manifesting super strength or you know, something absolutely crazy. Uh, like there's a, there's a, a famous story in my department of some lady who jumped on the hood of a police car and took a bite out of the light bar and started eating the light bar and the, and the headlamps or, and, uh, popped the hood open and started like eating the engine. How do we, you know, how do we respond to that? Right. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like lycanthropy. Yeah. Um, 
which is a form of possession that mm -hmm. seems to be reported all over the world. You think of werewolfism, but it's it's actually a uh, a book I was reading from a priest, um, uh, which is a, a particular form of um, possession where people seem to invite a spirit in. It's happened all over the world since the dawn of time, and it's reported in a similar way, uh, where where people seem to be inviting a particular spirit in. Um, and it's characterized by animalistic behavior, and the particular behavior seems to be barbaric, animalistic, and that kind of behavior, being able to, to bite, to savage, to destroy, um, to police officers pulling up on somebody, sitting on someone eating, consuming you know, them and stuff like that. So, um, but not maybe turning into a werewolf. Yeah. Like that's what we think in the popular movies, but it, it's probably spun off of this. Yeah. So, so I'm not yeah. crazy by, by saying that, you know, stuff like this has happened. Cause when I tell yes. this to, to other civilians, they're like, Oh no, I, you know, I, 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 I could never see someone, you know, eating iron out of, you know, eating steel, but, so one of the things you learn in um, deliverance ministry, no matter who you're talking to, uh, who's dealt with this very long, uh, and I've got friends who've done it in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, I don't have any Roman friends yet, but I'm, I'll, I'll be running into them shortly. But, um, uh, but anywhere I've run into people who've seriously dealt with it, um, the rabbit hole is deep and dark, and the subterranean world in this is just, beyond what you can imagine. And you'll see things that are, that are, that are pretty weird. And um, one of the groups that I've dealt with are police officers, and they've seen some crazy stuff because of what the world you deal with. Um, so, which I should also caution, because uh, you were talking about sin. Sin is not the only way we get possessed. Um, trauma is another way. You have to realize that, before we get back to your other topic, and please remember your question, but I, I should, should also tell you because there are plenty of cases and I'm not going to mention any one case. I'm just going to blend everything together. So I don't talk about any one case. So anything, by the way, I say will be just a hodgepodge of cases. So any one specific case won't be a specific case. I just want to just throw that out there for everybody. Um, okay. So, um, but, but trauma is very much a way that so demons, again, I told you are legalists. They don't much care. They don't care about you at all. So think about the difference between what we might call on the reform side of things. Total depravity is is like a you're infected with sin. Um, so think of sin maybe just a clumsy way of saying it is a is a virus that infects every cell, right? Like so we're all used to COVID or a cold or whatever, and it's in your cells. You got to take medicine, you know, which is Jesus, and we get better, right? So, um, but think of Satan and his demons are not totally depraved. They are utterly depraved. They are completely devoid of good, right? They are utterly depraved. That means that a demon has no good in him, right? That means that a demon 24-7, for as long as it's existed, thinks about evil. And there's a particular wisdom and intelligence and power in a demon Okay, but it wants to destroy you or feed off you or use you. Now, they're crafty. Some of them are hilarious. Some of them are exceedingly violent. Some of them are sexual. Some of them, they're all these different kinds, you know. 
but it 24-7 wants your destruction, wants to use you, wants whatever. There's nothing. So if, and it will use whatever it can to get into you, onto you, around you to do whatever. And trauma is one of the ways we'll do it. And we have had cases, especially from the cult, where, where members will wed these things to children or to prostitutes um, where they will use them in various cult activities and then wed the demons to, to the children, to the prostitute, whatever. What do you mean by wed? So uh, one of the things that cults may do and cops may run into these, police may run into these in sex trafficking or in, or in cultic activities. Uh, there's just weird things that they do that are just pretty dark. I don't want to get too much into it on a podcast, but they'll, 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 have, um, they'll have ceremonies and stuff where they will literally try to merge the demons with the children or put demons onto children um, in just some pretty sick and twisted ways. Um, but they'll also incorporate maybe, and we see this in sex trafficking, they may use prostitutes in the same way and they'll try to incorporate them in their ceremonies or, you know, whatever. And, and in doing that, demons may hang on to them. But demons are also in sex trafficking industry because you know, I've got uh, friends in, in different uh, denominations, non-denoms and regular denoms who are working in the sex trafficking industry to, to help free people coming out of that. And a lot of them are getting attacked by um, the demonic because in that industry, it's just so wicked that demons are attached to trauma victims. Um, and, and they're just going to do that because horrible things have happened to those people. So it's just a, an important side note. Anyway, back to your question, sorry. Or you may have more questions on that. Yeah. Well, actually, we've got a couple of questions on that. Well, I guess what... Which, by the way, could happen to a police officer who's been attacked or had difficult time or been, been exposed to that. Or maybe if you work in, you know, doing... Uh, countering uh, sex trafficking or yes. you're, like, you, you're a detective and you're busting you know, people doing this stuff, they may try to, like, put a, I guess, a hex or a spell on you. Right. Exactly. Okay. You, you could face hexes, spells, curses. You will face them if you're dealing with that. You absolutely will if you're dealing with that. And um, But also know that like, if you found yourself in that kind of darkness, um, at, at, a, at a, um, a clergy who was, who was a clergy to a sex crimes unit and found himself really struggling in these areas um, and had to really go through deliverance with this person because there was a, uh, um, and it turned out there were several critters, several demonics on him and, and attacking him. It was the same was going to happen to the police officer. So when they found themselves doing these just bizarre things were happening to them, um, bumps in the night, grabs, thumps, like so the demonics can be on the outside as well as on the inside. So grabs in the night, thumps in the night uh, a military unit had a similar thing happening I was talking to a soldier <clears throat> their whole unit was freaked out because they were in a they were in they were in combat position and um, uh, they were getting grabbed they were getting bumped they were getting you know all kinds of things were happening to them um, so all that to say that these things happen 
and so you, there's there's ways you can protect yourself, but but they're going to take advantage of you. So, a few episodes ago, we talked about how the introduction of the normalization of child child sex or child pedophilia, whatever you want to call it, is inherently demonic. It's it's anti it's anti sacramental or anti holy, however you want to put it, desacralized. And I guess that that makes sense um, now that I'm, I'm kind of looking at this. Like there is a real agenda to to like push this stuff because this is this is what's sacred to a demon. Completely evil stuff. Like it's 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 you're literally living in in an upside down land. Correct. Right. Like what's good to them is bad to us, and vice versa. Yeah, they want to desecrate everything about you, <clears throat> but. At least in our experience, uh, and again, I don't know everything, uh, just to qualify that, but in our experience, uh, so while a lower-level anger demon would have a lot of stuff around anger, would want to feed off of anger, uh, the higher-order ones want to do more. Um, And they're going to want to feed off a lot of different things, and they're also going to want to cause destruction. And if they can extend their empire... They're going to want to do that. They're going to cause as much damage and extend as much power as they can. Uh, they do seem to, like I said, they 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 are hyper legalists. Uh, so they're going to hook on as best as they can and be as legalistic as they can. Uh, any opening they've they're given. So to remove them is what we call dehooking. But we 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 remove these anchors or de-anchoring or whatever different people use different terms but you remove these things that they can hang on to you with um and uh yeah that's just kind of how they function all right i think with that we're going to take a quick break And we're back. So, Sean, now that we've talked about what demons are, how they can sometimes manifest, let's say we're having an encounter with a demonic. So whether that be we walk into a house or we encounter a person that's either fully manifesting or we just, you know, we get some kind of sense around ourselves, like you were talking about with anger or gossip or whatever, how do we protect ourselves from that? What are a couple of things that we can do practically with that encounter it'll depend on the encounter that you're having is the demonic on external is it internal is a possession or not for instance um when i was talking to or let's just say when we're in one case uh, or if you're in a case where you have external demonics one of the cases or some of the cases that we're called into would be like a home possession or a location possession. What I mean by a location possession is if you actually have uh, demons that are external and they're at a location, right? So they would be manifesting visibly, moving things, um, things like that. 
So two police officers or a police officer was telling me a story where he or his partner, uh, they went into a house that was on a drug bust. This house had been, um, this house had been a drug bust or a, a, a pretty intense location. One of the police officers had gone up into the attic, came back white as a ghost and was rattled and said, dude, you don't, you don't want to go up there. Um, the other police officer was a Christian. <clears throat> and so he, he's like, I, I'll go up there. I want to see what's going up there. He's like, no, you don't. He went up there and saw a, a demon running around up there. It had freaked out his partner. His partner had never seen anything like that. He's like, so what do you do when you run into something like that? When we're doing that kind of thing, uh, that's one kind of case you can run into versus a person. So when you're running into that kind of case, if you have to be in the house, you as a Christian have power over demons. That's an important thing to realize. They can't harm you because you have Christ in you. you got to remember in 1 Corinthians 6.19, in all of these cases, no matter where they are, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, all right? Um, Luke 10, 17. Well, let me turn to that really quick so you've got that. Luke 10, 17 is when the disciples go out and they go out into the field and they come back. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, and Jesus says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. He's not just giving the disciples that power, because when Christians go out, and in the early church, Christians are known to have power over demons. All of this, what does this mean for us? It means that for the average police officer who is a Christian or any Christian, that you have power over the demonic. It means that you don't have to be afraid of them attacking you if you do a certain couple of things. They don't have the right to hurt you. So a demon has a right, and this is a couple things that I do when I'm training my people Demons do have rights to do things on earth because God has not come back yet, hasn't expelled them from the planet. So if you're walking into an area, you know, some kind of spellcaster, let's use the term witch or whatever, some type of Satanist owns a home. Warlock, right. The, the demon has a right to be in that house. If you go into a sex trafficker's place, the demon has a right to be there. But the demon doesn't have a right to harm you. So you can say something like, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, demon, and I forbid you from attacking me or harming me or my family in any way. A simple prayer like that. That's what you can do. Um, I forbid you from harming me or my partner in any way. Simple prayer, and you just trust in the Lord to protect you. That's what you need to do. They, and what I've seen, uh, people who see them, uh, I've seen them, a lot of folks will see them, they're going to manifest, they're going to show themselves in a way that's going to try to scare you. 
particularly a fear demon, certain kinds of demons, they want to terrify you. That's what they're about. They want to cause a particular reaction. Or they want to seduce you if, you know, depending on what they are, they want to invoke a reaction. If you're in the field, most likely they want to scare you off and drive you away, right? Uh, for some people, they want to make them, they want to make you believe they don't exist. For other people, once you know that they exist, they want to get you away from them. In all cases, though, you can bind them and forbid them from attacking you. And that's what you need to do. And let's not forget here. So, you know, our work doesn't end when we go home, right? You know, it's one of the things that state law for most police officers basically says you're a police officer 24 7, 365. And so that also means that, you know, from what I understand, a demon could try to attack you at your own house or you know, try to take work home with you. How do you prevent something like that from happening? Yeah, we, part of the deliverance ministry, like I, I told you before, I mentioned, I think briefly before, only part of what we do is dealing with the extremes of the demonic. A lot of deliverance ministry, when we have people come in, we actually pray with them. We have a long series of prayers just going through their lives and what we would call removing these these uh, sticking points or hooks, uh, things in your life where uh, where where sin attaches or where trauma attaches. For instance, something like, a, think of it like a malediction or a curse or a hex. A malediction is a word spoken against you that you kind of hung on to that weighs you down in life. You're fat, you're ugly, you'll never amount to anything. It can also be a positive word, by the way. It could be something that you have to live up to. And this thing has haunted you your whole life. Well, we, we, we work with you to pray, to give that to the Lord. Or uh, one another thing could be a tie, which is an, un, uh, uh, an inappropriate relationship. What I mean by an inappropriate relationship is not always a sexual relationship. It could be a mother putting a child ahead of a father, a grandparent putting a grandchild ahead of a parent. Um, it could be, or, or say, a coworker that is consumed with you, obsessed with you for some one reason or another. It may not be a sexual obsession. It could be any kind of inappropriate relationship. It doesn't really matter, but you need to break that tie. But these things then are used for evil in your life. There are also curses and hexes and all these things need to be broken down in you. But demons then can attach to that or evil can attach to that. It doesn't have to be a demon attached to that, but all kinds of things that Satan can use to weigh you down. All right. Why do I say that? Well, in a police officer's life, you guys are dealing with a lot, or you men and women are dealing with a lot of negative, a lot of sin. You're just around a lot of evil. You're going to bring a lot of that home. And because of all the stuff you're bringing home, that's a natural avenue for Satan to attack you. It's a natural avenue for demons to hook onto you, familiars or other levels. And when you recognize I'm getting spiritually attacked, Man, so a couple, a couple avenues. One is to pray through it. One is to give it to God. But also maybe you need to go through a deliverance session just at a lower level, not at a high level. Be with your prayer team at church. Hey, man, I need prayer on X, Y, or Z. Can you really just sit down with prayer with your pastor or the prayer team? If your church doesn't really believe in deliverance, 
find a church that does. You don't, you don't have to move churches. Just find a team that does and go for that, go for that kind of prayer. And it's kind of a deep prayer and get free of the junk and, and don't be afraid. Look, deliverance ministry deals with naturally, it deals with just the yuck. So Francis McNutt Ministries, for instance, they deal with this. If you can't find a, just an active deliverance ministry, there's other deliverance ministries that do this, but they deal with the yuck. Uh, if you're in the Roman Catholic Church, they usually have some stuff that will do that too. Uh, Anglican Church does, all these churches do, but they deal with like the nastiness of life, And but just get it out, confess it, get moving forward. But if you see in your life that maybe something's attached, you're getting bumped or grabbed in the night, you can bind it and just send it to the feet of Jesus. So one of the things that we see is our Compline or our nighttime prayer in the Anglican Church. I think a lot of the Compline prayers, which are different from evening prayer or morning prayer, a lot of the Compline prayers, especially, they're ancient. And I've noticed that they seem to have they, they have an element to them that is against the demonic. I don't think that's by accident, right? There's something thinner about the veil of night where a lot of the demonics will attack. Probably because we're isolated, um, it's easier for them to come at night. Well, not they're, they're, there's different kinds that are there all the time, but it's easier for them to attack us at night. It's easier for them to frighten us at night. Certain kinds tend to try to prey on our dreams. But I think you just get up and you pray. You pray with your wife, pray with your spouse, pray with whatever, and um, and bind them and cast them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, along those lines, as we get uh, to the close here, do you have any advice for the audience, fellow police officers, just anything you'd like for us to like to encourage for us to do? How so? In what way? Um, you know, is there any final words you want to leave us with or just, just final advice that you'd like to give to the audience about encountering these things my i mean what sticks out to me is like put a bunch of caution tape around all this like this stuff's dangerous um i don't know if you have anything else you want to add to to this yeah i think i think when you encounter it for the first time the tendency is to say it's not real that's the that's one of the things that that some people will say. They want to dismiss it. Ah, it couldn't have been. I, I couldn't have seen what I've seen. And I'm always telling folks, yeah, you, you saw what you saw. The other thing, though, is an, another subgroup of people will see it and they'll be afraid to talk about it. And one of the things we found is that once people know you know, you're going to find a lot, of, a lot more people have seen it than you think. There are, there are people all around you who have encountered it. Um, when we when we began to start this ministry, we were surprised how many people came to us who were dealing with this stuff. In fact, our bishop started this ministry and our denomination because so many clergy were running into it. And we just didn't know what to do. So we, we had to train ourselves. But what we've learned is that dealing with the demonic is more like roach control than the Hollywood movies. You don't need to be afraid you just need to be confident in Christ. It's not something that everybody needs to just dive into like the harder cases. So much of it, though, in our own personal life comes down to staying strong in the Lord, staying strong in your scripture and reading, realizing that 
our battle is not against flesh and blood, but there is a spiritual realm in praying that, uh, learning how to deal with it, but not being terrified, realizing that he who is in us is so much stronger than he who is in the world. And um, I guess that's what I would leave with most people. Well, Father Sean, thank you for coming to our podcast today. Remember, if you have any questions, uh, I've got a Google form attached to the description of the podcast. Feel free to fill that out. Also, if you want to be a guest, there's a separate form for that. Remember, you can find us on Twitter or X or whatever it's called at Remaining Sane PC. Have a blessed rest of your day.